God truly is good all the time. In, this, in spite of all the heartache we face in this life, aren't we glad that we don't go it alone? Aren't we glad that we have a shepherd that knows what it's like to actually die and to be resurrected again and to be with us? And that's part of the good news that we have as Christians that not even death has victory over us because Christ has won the victory forever, not just for a period of time, but for all eternity. And we get to receive that eternal life. It's good to be a person in the kingdom of God, not because we've earned our way there, we've done enough good things, but because God in his grace opened the doors to us. That God said, through my son Jesus Christ, the doors are wide open, come on in. Experience love like you've never known before. Experience forgiveness like you've never known before. Experience life transformation like you could never imagine. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come walk with me. Learn from me. Watch how I do it. The unforced rhythms of grace. That is good news. That is good news. Today we're starting a new series called Organic Christianity, The Spirit-Cultivated Life. There's a lot of things uh, in the world today, especially in food, we talk about organics, the organic food. Do you get the organic food? Do you get the one with all the pesticides on it? All that type of stuff. It's uh, a little challenging. But today we're going to talk about the life of the Spirit. It is an organic life. And it is a cultivated life cultivated in and through and by the Spirit. I want to look at the passage that we're going to be basing this series out of. It's from the book of Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to put it up on the screen for you. And Paul's writing to the Galatians, beginning in verse 16 of chapter 5, in which he says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ah, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but you may be to some degree since we're all part of the human race. When I read this passage, and I have for decades, my eyes tend to get drawn to one thing. Have any idea what that might be? The list. Do you know what I'm talking about? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You get drawn towards a list. Good stuff. But most of the time when I get looking at that list, what happens is I go, oh man, I'm a bad person. <laughs> I, in fact, I hate to admit it to you, but sometimes 
I relate to the other list a little more than I would like to admit. Now I'm going to take that those of you who are laughing with me feel my pain. A little angerness. Anger, and, have you, ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but you get angry every once in a while. Yes. Thank you, brother. You're, I'm feeling connected this morning. All these uh, outbursts. and uh, Now I'm going to confess to you. I told you from day one when I got here that I will always be very real with you. Because I feel if we share the journey authentically, God's going to do amazing things. There was a time when my kids were smaller than they are now. And, uh, you know, parents, some of you who have kids or who have had kids, and although I'm sure you still do. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, they're in the back seat and you're driving. You know how they can kind of get that temperature a little high every once in a while and it's like they're doing what you told them not to do and now you're on the fifth time and, and so now you're looking for things to kind of like, <laughs> I'm not going to say throw, but get their attention, you know, and... One time, I guess I got really upset, pulled into the driveway. I looked back at my kids, and I must have had a face that didn't look like Jesus very much. <laughs> and I said, you guys, I've told you, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know how it is, parents. And I remember my son looking at me, and he goes, Daddy, that was cool. Can you make that face again? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't be angry anymore. You just thought, wow, what do I look like? What do I look like? You know, here I'm supposed to be a man of God, full of the love of God. I'm not supposed to have all the fruits of the Spirit, you'd think, in my life, not the other list. And here I am, blowing it once again. So when I look at this list, sometimes I go, oh, Jesus, help me. You know, this is a hard list. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because I find that usually happens with most people who read this passage. They look at it just like the list in 1 Corinthians 13 and go, oh, man, I have such a long way to go. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because the point of the passage is not to look at the list. The point of the passage, this whole passage I just read, was talking about focusing on the Spirit. This list is not the fruit of the Christian, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of God's activity in our life. It's the natural, organic process of Christ alive in us, bearing fruit for His glory. And so my task is not so much to focus on the list and sometimes, you know, maybe take that list, put it on a sticky note and put it in the mirror and every morning, love, joy, peace. Oh, man, I blew that yesterday, you know. <laughs> the point is to focus on the Spirit and life connected to God and fruit happens. That's just what happens. It's just like our saying here, loving God, loving people. Let me ask you this. If you focus on loving God, will loving people happen? Absolutely. If we focus on our relationship with God, loving people just happens. If Jesus is in us, Jesus, how can I say this? Jesus does not not love people. <laughs> did, that, did that make it a positive? I don't know if that works. But if Jesus is in you, he's loving people. If his spirit is in us, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, there's faithfulness, there's gentleness. And the one I could probably use the most help with, self-control. Now, the way the series works out, now, we're not going to do these in order because they're the fruit, all of it together. It's kind of a fruit basket upset. And I'm going to preach on self-control the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I just felt the Spirit saying that was a good time to talk about self-control. So we're going we're to do it then. 
My son is one of his Bible projects in school. I guess they were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And he had done this art project. And he was in the car doing some of his homework as I was driving. He's learned how to be productive. If I can get work done before I get home, I can play more. So he's working on stuff. He goes, Dad, which fruit goes with which? And I said, what do you mean? What fruit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, what fruit goes with which one? And I said, well, okay, there's nine of them, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. You know. And he goes, yeah, 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 but what fruit goes with which one? And I said, I still don't understand what you're talking about. And he said, well, you know, like grapes. Which one does grapes go with? <laughs> no. Which one does, like, the apple go with? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, Dad, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know this stuff, you know. I said, well, sorry, I, I don't know. I didn't get that in seminary, so... Maybe in my doctoral work, I'll get that one figured out. But the point of the passage, the point of the fruit of the Spirit, is that it is the fruit of the Spirit. Let that sink in. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Not your fruit, not my fruit, but the fruit of God within us. Now, we talk about cultivating, the Spirit-cultivated life. I want to make a statement that one mentor said to me one time that has sunk, sunk deep in me. We were talking about grace, and he said, grace is always opposed to earning, but never opposed to effort. Think about that for a second. Grace is always opposed to earning, but never opposed to effort. Does Jesus ask us to put a little effort into our relationship with him? Absolutely. When Jesus said, come follow me, he was asking people to get up and follow him. But even the invitation itself is grace. Come follow me. Come live with me. Come abide in me. Jesus said that word abide is also the same as remain. Choose to remain in me. If a man or a woman remains in me, they will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now let's let that word just sink in for a minute. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. Nothing. Now I hope I can just talk openly with you. It's, it's a pain I feel when I watch the Chargers play <laughs> and oftentimes do nothing in the first half. And then the fruits of the flesh start surfacing a little bit, and I have to think about Jesus a little more. But nothing. Zilch. Jesus says, apart from me, there's no love. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no patience. There's no kindness. And I can go on with the rest of the list. Nothing means nothing. But if a person remains in me, you will bear much fruit. You see, we're called to live in the vineyard of God. We're called to live in the place where we're connected with God, the vine and the branches, the place where the Father is the gardener, the place where fruit happens constantly. It's this cultivated life. I like what one author said. He said, we have come, become consumers of religion rather than cultivators of a spiritual life. We have spawned an entire industry of Christian kitchen bookstores full of spiritual junk food that leaves us sated and flabby, as if we believe the infomercial that promises great abs if we just buy.
buy the right piece of equipment for $39.95. We think that the secret of being a spiritually fit Christian can be had by finding some secret technique or buying the most recent hot-selling inspirational devotional. It happens by being connected with Christ. It comes by being intentional and believing that God can really do what he says he can do. That when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he means nothing. It doesn't mean I can get on with my life pretty well in my career and my family, and then I'll look to him to kind of make up the difference where I lack. It means nothing. I shared the first Sabbath was here. I forgot to talk about it in the second service. But in the first service, I talked about this ring that I wear. Now, this kind of ties into my lack of self-discipline. But... Um, this is what I call my chubby hubby ring. You see, the original wedding ring doesn't fit on my finger anymore. Um, I've outgrown it. I'll just say it that way. How's that? <laughs> so instead of always, you know, doing this, try to get it off, I finally said, all right, I got to get it off. I'll lose some weight. But I'll, I'll put something on in the meantime so people know that, hey, I'm in a committed relationship with my wife and with God. And so I bought this ring. I think it was less than $15. But here's why I got this one. If you were to look closely at it, it's got vines on it. And then if you were to take it off and look inside, it says in big letters, John 15, 5. And you see, I need that because I'm a visual person. And so sometimes when I'm getting upset with somebody or I'm getting upset uh, with my family or whatever it is, I see this ring and I hear the Spirit say, John, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to love your wife like I love the church, you can't do it. Remember, abide in me. When I'm getting impatient with a child and I look at my ring and I go, hmm, love me, God, and help me love and be patient. When things go wrong in the world and my relationships on a day-to-day -day basis, different things happen, I'm reminded that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. That I need his spirit within me to bear that fruit because my own fruit, apart from the Spirit, will be all that other list that we read before. Apart from him, I can do nothing. We have to trust when the Master says that. We have to believe the process. You see, the revelation that Jesus gave in John 15 of abiding in him in the vineyard is not just a revelation. It was a revolution. He was teaching like none of the teachers taught in that day when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way that you bear fruit. There is no one and nothing in this world that will bear fruit in your life except the Spirit of God. Amen. The process matters. See, I want to draw our attention to the process more than the fruit. Because if we trust the process that Jesus taught us about and that Jesus lived himself, the fruit will happen. We don't have to worry about it. But if we focus on the fruit, we may not get the fruit. Because the process isn't there. The effort of being with Christ. Now one of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I want to suggest to you today, as I have been, hopefully, that love, the real agape love, the unconditional love, the love that happens that doesn't say, well, if you do this, then I'll love you. If you do this for me, then I'll love you back. But a love that gives, a love that it gives beyond convenience. A love that gives when it hurts. A sacrificial love. That comes through the Spirit. Now, in our world today, I like the video that we showed. Love, what does love mean in this world today? Love. 
So much it's portrayed. Millions and billions of dollars are spent every year in the movies to portray a certain type of love. What is love? I was talking to a gentleman uh, just this week. I'm learning places in town, trying to get involved and, and to meet people in the community. And so I had been at a, a meeting at the conference office this week, and I was driving back home, and I was coming through Redlands, and I thought, oh, I'm getting hungry. I'll get a bite to eat. So I got off at Orange, and I went down, and I found this little cafe and uh, sat there, and I thought, well, I'll do some studying while I'm here, brought a couple commentaries. I'm sitting there, and um, see, right now I'm really tempted to tell you the lunch I had because it was, I told you before that I like food, and I tend to talk about it, but I'm not going to do that because it's still a few minutes before we get out, and uh, you won't listen to anything else I said if I tell you what I had. So I'm sitting there, and I had, this, I had this lunch, and I walked around the corner just to kind of look what was going on in the neighborhood here, and there was a, there was a, a, a place for guitars. Now, that's another love of mine. And so I saw this place, and it says, we don't sell guitars, we're a studio. And I thought, well, open the door, and it was locked. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I just kind of looked at the storefront, and then the door opened. And there was a gentleman in there, and I walked in, and we began to talk. And I just said I was new to the area, and, and uh, he began to tell me about this life experience that he recently had. He just, he just had a complete kidney um, replacement. And uh, everybody, all the men in his family, usually died by the age of the early 40s because of their kidney problems. And he had just been through this. And so we started talking. And then um, we were talking about God. God started coming up in the conversation. And, and, and he said this thing. He, he, talked about this, he talked about this science teacher that he had in college. And he was talking about monkeys. And he said, you know, he said... God, all this other stuff, yeah, yeah, I don't know, his teacher was saying, he says, but he says, let's just face it. If you put enough monkeys in a room with a typewriter, they'll write a bestseller eventually. <laughs> and, and I said, you know what? You know what the sad part about that is? Is that, let's just say, even though I don't think they could do it, let's say they did write something. Let's say they wrote something on the typewriter, and who knows what it would be. The sad part is, enough of humanity would buy it to make it a bestseller. <laughs> That's the sad part. You know, you look at the things that are out in the media today, why do they make the things they do? They would not make them if we would not buy them. If the money's there, it's a moneymaker. That's the sad part. When it comes to love, what is love? What is love? Is it lust? Is it sex? Is it everything that has to do with the sensual parts of the body? No. It's agape love like Jesus showed us on the cross. It's love that will go with us no matter where we go, no matter how far we fall, his love will not forsake us. There's a story in the Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 7. One of my favorite stories about a woman who loved Jesus. And Jesus had been invited to Simon the Pharisee's house as a guest. And Jesus came and, and Simon, I believe, had him there solely for entertainment value, just out of curiosity and to draw a crowd. And so Jesus came, and, and the reason I believe that is because he didn't greet Jesus like you would a respected guest. He didn't kiss him. He didn't embrace him. He didn't have his feet washed. He just let him come in. And so they, there they were, supping at the table together. And as many of you may know, in those days, they, they kind of laid down on one arm, head towards the eating area with their feet behind them. 
And as they're talking, this woman comes and stands behind Jesus, maybe even kneeling down at his feet, and begins to weep. Begins to weep, and her tears start to fall on the feet of Jesus. And she takes her hair, and her hair being down, which in in the culture of those days was not acceptable. It was only of women who were not respected. Let's just say it that way. And her hair being down, she begins to wipe the feet of Jesus, and she takes the perfume out of this alabaster little container that was around her neck and poured it on the feet of Jesus because she was so in love with Jesus. And I love what what Jesus said. He saw this. In fact, it says this. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. You see, I would like to suggest to you that Simon, the Pharisee, knew a lot about the kingdom of God. But he didn't know the reign of God on his life. And so when he looked at people, he looked through them. He looked at them, but he never saw the people for who they were. But Jesus, being full of the love of God, when he looks at us, he sees us. And he knows who we are, even though we might try to hide it sometimes. He knows, and he loves us. And so I find it interesting that he says to Simon, I have something to tell you, because he asks the question. He says, Simon, two men had debts, one smaller and one larger. And the one whom they owed the debt to forgave them both for their debts. He wiped them out. Now, which one do you think would be the most appreciative in a sense? He says, well, of course, the one with the bigger debt. And he says, Simon, you are right. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Can you almost hear him say, do you really see this woman, my beloved daughter? Do you see her? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't kiss me, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. He who has been forgiven little loves little. But he who has been forgiven much loves much. When we are connected to the Spirit of God, we allow God to forgive us. We allow Jesus to accept us and to love us where we are at, where we've been, where we think we're heading. All the fears, all the anxieties, all the guilt, we let him love us, we let him forgive us. And when we let him forgive us, The fruit is love. We love much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And verse 17, 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save and to free the world. 1 John 4 says, whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. And verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. There was never a time God was not love. There is never going to be a time when God is not love. The Father is love. Jesus is the expression of that love. And the Spirit is the activity in our lives of that love. 1 Corinthians 13, the list. Love is patient. Well, I failed there recently. Love is kind. Working harder on that. Does not envy. Hmm. Does not boast. Is not proud. Is not rude, not self-seeking. Is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I'm glad it's up to God and not me. I'm glad that Jesus just says, would you just be with me? Because if you just be with me, I'll do the work. I'll bear the fruit. Just love me. Just be with me. Just linger with me. Just let your life marinate in me. And I will bear the fruit in you. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. That's why the psalmist could say, his love endures forever. I want to do a little spiritual exercise with you this morning. It's good for us, you know, when you, when you study about worship in the Bible, it sometimes is a little different than our North American culture sometimes. In worship in the Bible, they talk about loud trumpets. Sometimes they talk about loud crashing cymbals. And sometimes they talk about shouts of joy and praise. You ever do that once in a while? Yes. yes. All right. <laughs> At least three of you do. That's a start. <laughs> That's a start. I want to try something here. I want to try something. I'm going to say his love, this side will say endures. We'll split the balcony. Balcony, you guys will go with these people over here, all right? I'll say his love, you say endures, and you say forever. Okay? We're going to start it kind of just quietly. Okay? And then as I build, I want you to build. Okay? It's okay. Some of you might be a little worried right now. It is biblical. Okay? It is biblical. It's not some wild idea I've come up with last night as I was sleeping. It's a biblical thing. So let's try this. I'll say his love, you say endures, and you say forever. Okay? His love. All right, you guys do. His love. His love. His love. 
Now from the heart, his love Isn't God good? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your love endures forever and that your love perseveres, that you keep no records of wrongs, that your love never fails. And Lord, what an awesome gift in life to be able to be connected with you who can love in us and through us and bear incredible fruit for eternity in our lives and the relationships that we have in this world. Give us the grace, Lord, to remain in you, to not worry about the lists, to not worry about the failures, but enjoy you. Enjoy being present with you in our life to let you love us and love through us. Would you take a minute now just in silent prayer to respond to the Spirit this morning in your silent prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.